podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to the first edition of the Spanish Football Podcast in the 2022-23 season. It's our 10th season of doing this podcast and we're back with as much excitement and passion and enjoyment about Spanish football as ever before. Um, Sid and I are both absolutely exhausted. Uh, Sid is in a park in Oviedo, having got an early morning flight from Almeria, don't ask, uh, but his commitment to this podcast is unwavering. Hello, Sydney. Hello. Not just any park, Philip. I'm in, I'm in the Parque San Francisco in the centre of Oviedo, which is gorgeous. And it's after after what have we had two months of extreme heat. It's actually really lovely to come up here, where it's warm for Asturias, but it's 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 still green and lush and, and, and fresh. I can see where Sid is. It does look green, lush, and indeed very very fresh. Just if you hear any background noise, people passing, people making comments, it's because he's in a public park, and that's why we're recording this first podcast of the new season. Now that the uh, new La Liga season is underway. We're back to our regular schedule, so you're listening to the Monday podcast, which is available for free, as always, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts throughout the season. If you want more Spanish football content, we'll have a Q&A pod, which is usually out on a Tuesday, and a bonus pod, usually on a Thursday, out every single week for patrons. Plus, we're soon bringing back TSFP Presents, which looks at Spanish football, history and culture, and our TSFP Zoom calls. There's also a TSFP Discord all of that at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. It's around four euros a month. And if you like Spanish football, it's probably a decent investment. We're recording on Monday and it's a little bit strange. We always do the podcast on Monday, but this one's a little bit strange because we've actually got three matches uh, today. So there are six teams that we can't really talk about. A third of the match day, which hasn't yet been played, but still we felt we had to get uh, the podcast out uh, today because it is the Monday pod. Uh, so if you do have any questions about Getafe or Atletico Madrid or Betis or Elche or Athletic Club or Mallorca, all of whom are playing today, send us a question and we'll answer it on the, on the Q&A pod. So far then, on match day one, these are the results that we've had. The season kicked off in Pamplona at El Sadar, a really pulsating game between Osasuna and Sevilla, which Sydney was at and which the hosts won by two goals to one. Then on Saturday, Celta Vigo raced into a 2-0 lead against Espanyol. They looked pretty comfortable as well. Barry Aspas had given them the lead. Gonzalo Paciencia had doubled it on his debut. But Espanyol out of nowhere got themselves back in it through Edu Exposito. And then Joselu converted an injury time penalty which had been given away by Oscar Mingueza, formerly of Barcelona, who came on for his debut and gave away a penalty three minutes into it. So it finished Celta 2, Espanyol 2. Then Valladolid nil, Villarreal 3. Two brilliant goals from Alex Baena, giving Villarreal a, a first day win. And then Barca nil, Barca nil, Raya Vallecano nil. Barca back down to earth with a bump. There was euphoria at the camp now because of all the signings and the levers and everything that's gone on this summer. But Rayo came and did what Rayo had generally been doing against Barcelona. Kept a clean sheet. Uh, then on Sunday, La Real beat Cadiz by a goal to nil. Take Kubo, formerly of Real Madrid, Villarreal, Getafe, Mallorca. He's had a few clubs, the youngster. Scored on his debut uh, against Cadiz. Lovely taken goal as well. They were much the better side. Uh, Valencia beat Girona by a goal to nil. Uh, it was scored by 
Carlos Soler from the penalty spot. Almost exactly the same as what happened in the opening game of last season for Valencia. Although this time the manager is Gennaro Gattuso. And they got off to a winning start under the Italian. Then Real Madrid came from behind to beat Almeria by two goals to one at the Powerhorse Stadium last night where Sydney was. We'll start by talking about the game, Sid. And also talking about the Powerhorse Stadium. Because <laughs> it used to be the Estadio de los Juegos Mediterráneos. It's, it's now called something quite, quite different. It actually looks great on the, on the TV. What, what was it like being in there? It was good. I, I must confess, I didn't know that Power Horse was a drink, an energy drink. Um, I assumed it was something to do with horses. I assumed there was some sort of weird horse link, but it is actually an energy drink. Um, it's not a great stadium for football, um, partly because, as its name suggests, the Juegos de Mediterráneos, because it was built for the Mediterranean Games, so it's got a running track around it. But, of course, they're aware of that, and what they've done is they've put temporary scaffolding stands in at each end to bring the two ends close to the pitch, because if you were in the ends with the running track there, you were a very, very long way away. The two sides haven't been done yet, but they will eventually dig it down and do a little bit like... Real Sociedad did at Anoeta to, to bring the fans much closer to the pitch to really drastically improve the, the atmosphere there. But it was a, it was a good occasion, and I, I'm you know I do this every year as you know. I'm always a, a, I really really enjoy the first game back of a club in the first division. I think there's something quite special about it. I think that's added to by by the fact that it's a club that hasn't been there for seven years, which isn't that long but it does feel like a different era. And talking to people in Almeria, there was very much a sense that this is not what it was the last time we came back. There's much more of a sense that this is actually a club that can grow now, that has the resources, um, that maybe is a little bit unstable in some ways, but has the financial stability to to continue. And the atmosphere was great. Look, it's not huge. It was 15,000, I think they sold 15,328 tickets, but it was noisy. Um, there was a bit of a kind of a cup feel about it. I suppose that's inevitable, isn't it, when you've got a team that's come up from the second division and plays a first division team. That first game feels a bit like a cup game. You know, that idea of you're taking on someone bigger than you. And it was really enjoyable. It looked really enjoyable. It was a, a very fun game to watch as well. Almeria contributed to it and they took the lead. Brilliant goal uh, by uh, Ramazani, who I did not know much about. And then I, uh, he came on our uh, post-match show on La Liga TV. And he's got the most London accent of anyone I've heard in La Liga. But he's a Belgian international. He moved to London when he was when he was 12. He played in Charlton's Youth Academy and then went to Manchester United. He's ended up at Almeria. Scored a fantastic goal uh, yesterday as well. But after that goal, Real Madrid reacted, didn't they? Yeah, I mean... The goal comes really early um, and it was interesting actually one of Almeria's players when he left the stadium last night saying to a little group of fans that were still waiting he said uh, you know what our problem was our problem was we scored too early we gave them too much time to turn it round we needed to get that goal in the 89th minute to, to beat Real Madrid although of course as we know that still doesn't mean you beat Real Madrid uh, as lots of teams no. have found out in the Champions League teams quite a lot bigger than Almeria I thought Madrid's reaction was good they created quite a lot of chances it was curious in that I didn't think they were playing wonderful football Real Madrid in that it was wasn't always as fluid as you might expect, but the insistence, the willingness to keep on going. And at half time, I think by half time they'd already racked up 17 shots and 12 corners by half time, and they kept going yes. at them. In particular, Vinicius. Every time Vinicius ran, you thought that's it. He's getting through. Um, you, you had quite a lot of good saves from from Fernando, the the, the, the Almeria goalkeeper. I thought defensively they held on reasonably well, considering they had that quality of team coming at them and the curious thing in a way actually is I felt like the the momentum from Real Madrid 
had actually started to slow a little bit when they got the goal that put them put them level again and, and then and then took them on eventually to win it. Although I also think it's true that in the second half, the degree of control and the sense of the sense of if you like technical superiority once Modric was on the pitch, I thought was really really striking. Uh, you mentioned Modric. He didn't start the game. Carlo Ancelotti making five changes to the side that had won the UEFA Super Cup in midweek. We saw uh, La Liga debuts for. Uh, Aurelien Chouamini and Antonio Rudiger. It didn't quite go as both players would have liked. Chouamini struggled and Rudiger was really quite at fault for the goal, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Rudiger didn't 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 step out quite quite quickly enough. Um, that played uh, Razamani on the side. He then I didn't didn't think recovered particularly well from that position, which is one of the things that you can normally expect him to do. Although of course he's up against someone who's also very very quick. Um, and and Chouamini, I thought was was interesting because it felt to me not just that this was a player who didn't have a great game because of course that happens to every player it felt to me a little bit like a player who was slightly out of place yes you know, didn't, didn't seem entirely comfortable with what was going on around him and obviously that's something that maybe can be worked on he said before that he can play as a six and an eight but he's tended not to be the sole pivot you know he's tended not to be that that Casemiro position on his own he's tended to be one of two in that role and, and maybe has a bit more uh, what do you call it in English? Recorrido uh, sort of covers a bit more ground. You know, goes up and down a bit more than that. And there were a couple of times yesterday when I felt that he received the ball, and this is a horrible Spanish phrase. I can't think of an English equivalent when when the perfil is wrong. If you like the body shape, mm. so the ball doesn't kind of so so he's stopping the ball in the wrong wrong place. And I realise this sounds like I'm teaching a, a, an absolutely exceptional footballer how to play the game and it, it's not my intention but the, the, the kind of the, the, the movement of the body wasn't quite right in terms of the reception and then the, the ball going on. He got caught out a couple of times. There's the chance that Sadiq puts over the over the bar um, which is basically because Shomeni gets it wrong twice. The first control is bad. It bounces off his other leg. He then tries to recover and only kind of manages to nudge the ball on for Sadiq to run past him. There's a moment when he loses the ball on the edge of his area and I think he's a bit fortunate to get the foul, which kind of gets him out of trouble. That, that kind of foul that we've seen Busquets win lots of times. And you sometimes think, oof, you're a little bit lucky to have got that foul. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought he was a little bit uncomfortable. Look, it's the very first day. I'm absolutely not saying that's the end of it for, for him. But it, but it did feel like he was in a position that, that, he, hasn't, that, that he wasn't entirely right in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, then, obviously, Casemiro and, and Modric came off the bench and, and Real Madrid ended up uh, winning the game. And I don't think we can begrudge them the three points. I think, no, I think I, they, absolutely. they were probably well worth it. It wasn't a comeback it. in yeah. the... It, Exactly. It wasn't a comeback in the dramatic sense. It wasn't a comeback in the sense of saying, wow, how did they get away with that? They created plenty of chances. In the second half, they possibly created fewer than they had in the first. But my feeling of it, watching it, and it might be because that was the end of the ground I was at, and and so there's always a risk of overplaying it, was that, if you like, the quality of the play to build up those chances felt clearer Mm. to me. It felt more like they 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 were... carving those chances out rather than just insisting on those chances eventually falling obviously the two chances one comes with a little bit of a rebound it's a little bit fortunate Lucas Vasquez scores and then a brilliant free kick from from Malaba um, but I, I thought I thought Madrid were worth it although that said given the context with Almeria you know 2-1 is a is a really good result for them or not a good result a really good performance from them and actually they had two really good chances late on I thought the Rodrigo Eli header mm really should have yeah. scored it um, and, and so actually in truth Almeria probably in the end mm. should have got a 2-2 draw mm. 
Uh, Real Madrid had 15 shots on target in the game, 29 yes. in total. They, uh, yeah, they had their chances. Yeah, it's a lot. It's of a shots. lot of shots. It's a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Of uh, shots. Almeria, yeah. your your general feeling? I mean, are they going to struggle to stay up this season? Well, my season? general feeling was, I think they are. I think they are, in truth. Uh, my general feeling was more positive than I expected it to be. Bear in mind that this is a team that went into this game. Of that starting eleven, only three players had ever played in the Spanish First Division before. Mm. Two of those three had played one game and two games, respectively. Mm. So you've only got one player, Portillo, of the starting eleven that's genuinely had a lot of First Division games in Spain. Now, that's a slight cheat from me, I admit, because some of them have played First Division in other countries. In Portugal, in Serbia... Uh, I can't remember where else now. A couple of other countries, maybe not quite of a level of Spain, but 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 in other countries, um, this is a team that had six of its signings unavailable. A team whose striker knows he's on the way out, and I actually thought Sadig, while he was dangerous, he 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 didn't play particularly well. Um, he looked a bit clumsy, but then I think that's partly just his body shape. To be fair, I actually think that's just the way he looks sometimes. Um, and and you know, given some of those limitations, you've got a centre back playing at full back. You've got uh, doubts about the, the team all the way through. The preseason hasn't been good. There's been some concern about it. There's been, I think, a little bit of trepidation as well as the excitement of going back into the first division. And in that context, I thought the performance was really very, very good indeed. I was talking to a member of staff at Almeria after the game from, from the, the coaching staff, and there was a sense that, yeah, the question mark we have now is whether these players can do this kind of performance against the teams that are at that mm. are our league you know when you play when you play Elche or when you play you know another team that might go down can you produce this when you don't feel if you like the excitement the buzz of everyone watching you when you don't feel if you like the willingness to really go for it because this is Real Madrid or maybe the willingness to 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 use a Spanishism to suffer during long periods you know because you can then because you can then feel well it's worth it because it's Real Madrid and so I think that maybe is where where the doubt will come in all right let's move on and talk about the game at the camp now on Saturday evening Barcelona nil Raya Vallecano nil there's a great word in Spanish agua fiestas literally translates as water party and it's basically the Spanish word for party pooper literally someone that comes and pours water on somebody's fun that is exactly what Rio did on Saturday night because there was an unbelievable level of excitement hype hysteria euphoria call it what you like but there were 81,000 people inside at the camp now which is not normal for the first game of the season lots has happened off the pitch to get people excited in Barcelona in the summer and on the pitch as well because in pre-season they'd look pretty good too. Chabi after the game against Rayo Vallecano suggested that <clears throat> maybe the expectations level was a little bit too high. He's trying to bring people back down to earth a little bit and this this result has done very, very much that. Uh, credit to Rayo, they were fantastic, we'll talk about them but how much of, the, of an emotional blow is it for Barca after the, the euphoria of pre-season to be brought back down to earth like this or is it actually maybe useful? I think it might be useful actually. Um, there is a risk of me being over positive about it but I think it might be useful because I think it might be a reminder that look, just because you've bought all these players doesn't mean you necessarily win. I think when Xavi talks about there was too much expectation, how could there not be? You know, How could there not mm-hmm. be? Because Not least as well because of course it's the club themselves and in particular Laporta because this is very much Laporta's um, quality you know he's, he's a communicator he's an enthusiast um, you know you have to sell this as an exciting thing because otherwise you're dealing in a very different way with having sold 700 million euros worth of assets 
So you have to project that as a positive thing because otherwise it turns against you very, very quickly. Now, obviously, the fundamental thing that will mean it will turn against you would be the fine, uh, sorry, the, the football results rather than the finances. But it's natural that it, that it was built up. It's natural that it, it had reached that point, and it's natural, therefore, that when you don't win, that that kind of comes crashing down. But I think fans know. I think they know that this is difficult. And actually, you know what? I, the best way of putting it in positive terms is to take your quite magnificent tweet. I thought you, you handled it brilliantly, which is to say Barcelona are very definitely improving because last year they lost both times to Rio. Yeah, they've got a point. So it's a step in the right direction. Step in the right direction, couple more levers and, and, and they'll be able to, to beat Rio, I'm sure. Uh, tongue firmly in cheek here, but I mean, literally last <laughs> season they did lose 1-1. They did lose 1-0 to, to, well, to Rio in, in both exactly, games. Exactly, it's yeah. three games against Rio Vallecano and Barcelona haven't scored. First time ever that a manager has kept three consecutive clean sheets in his first three games against Barcelona in La Liga and and Doni Raula has done that with Rio. Uh, we will talk about Rio uh, in just a second, but this was obviously the debut of Robert Lewandowski for uh, Barcelona in La Liga. He does a lot of good things. He's not just a he's not just a goal yeah. scorer, is he? he? Does he does he does a lot. He's a good footballer as well. Yeah, he's very good and I think I think he gives Barcelona um, I, I, I know Luis Suarez gave them this a little bit, but I think maybe Lewandowski does it even more. That ability to play the ball through the midfield to a forward and then have him come back to those midfielders as they're coming then face on, on to, the, to the opposition goal. And that's particularly valuable for someone with the legs that, that Gavi's got, you know, the willingness to run up and down the pitch and the willingness to run towards the area. But also with Pedri, I think it might mean that Pedri gets into the area a bit more because he can play off Lewandowski. Um, I, I, there's no doubt I mean look we're stating the bleeding obvious here and people know this but but he's a very good footballer beyond the goals he took the goal that he scored which was then ruled out for offside very very calmly indeed as well you look at that and you think yeah that, that's a goal scorer mm. right, he had five shots in the game didn't manage to uh, score it's the first time in eight years that Robert Lewandowski hasn't scored on the opening day of the season or his opening game I didn't know of that the season. welcome to La Liga Bobby well, well I was going to say, it's a lot harder than that Bundesliga rubbish. Uh, uh, we're joking, obviously, all due respect to our <laughs> Germanic friends. Uh, we got him in that front three alongside Rafinha and Dembele. What do we make of that? Well, I think what we make of that to start with is just the basic fact that that is the front three. And I think that's quite interesting. That Xavi wants a front three where the two wingers are very open, where the two wingers are quite direct, where the two wingers are quick and will run at people, rather than the profile of the other wide players he's got, which is that quite a lot of them aren't really wide players. So Ansu, who's not really a wide player, Ferran, who's not really a wide player, uh, Memphis Depay, who's not really a wide player. So it's, it's, it's about totally changing the shape of that, which, of course poses some interesting questions about the strength in depth of this team because of course the strength in depth is a different profile now that can be a very positive thing in the sense that you can you can change it up and I actually thought Ansu looks looked dangerous when he came and I think he looks like a player that might well end up playing and who knows maybe it'll be Dembele or Rafinha rather than both of them for quite a lot of the season if Ansu can reach that level that we know that he's got but that we're worried about because of his knee injury problems um, but I, I thought that in itself was interesting I, but for what it's worth though in this particular game I thought neither of them played very well. Mm. Frankie de Jong came on and played quite well. Yes, he did. Uh, and I think it's the kind of game that suited him. Because, again, we're talking about profiles here. And I think this is a really interesting debate for any team. But I think for a team like Barcelona, even more so. And I think for a team like Barcelona with a manager like Xavi, who has, in theory, a commitment to a particular identity that's really steadfast, I think it becomes an even more interesting debate. And that is the type of midfielders you want. So what de Jong does which the others don't really do. I mean, maybe you could say Gavi does it a bit, but not really, not quite like De Jong, is De Jong will get the ball from very deep and carry the ball forward. 
and carry mm. the ball through that midfield rather than play, play through that midfield. And that gives them a very different type of, I think, alternative. And it gives them a different type of midfielder and it changes the nature of the game. I mean, it really does change the game really quite significantly to have that kind of movement. And this is one of the reasons why I've never fully understood this idea that he could be Busquets. Now, he could be in Busquets' position as a starting point for those runs. That's definitely true. But he couldn't be the positional player that Busquets is because he just doesn't do those things. Um, and, and so, again, we're coming back to that question of profile and what that means. But he did play well. I think, you know, he could be a really useful footballer for Barcelona. The thing is, and we've said this from the very start, and actually we got quite a lot of abuse for this, for saying at the start, I wonder if they'll look at the young if only because he's a sellable asset. And that is essentially, I think, how they look at him now. You know how in a cartoon, where a cartoon character, the dollar signs roll over the front of their eyes... That's mm. kind of what Joan Laporta does, I think, when he looks at Frankie de Jong. Mm. Let's see if if those dollar signs actually materialise into some dollar or whether he stays there and, and Xavi uses him. Xavi actually said, uh, he was uh, asked in the post-match press conference about him and, and he said, oh, you know, now uh, he's a, a suplente. Uh, Frankie de Jong is a, is a substitute now. And he said, no, 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 he's not a substitute. He's a very important player for us. So if he stays, he is yeah. prime, probably going to be pretty important, but... That is a big if. I think he will be if he stays, but I think I think Xavi also very definitely left the door open because he yeah. said something along the lines of we don't know we don't know yeah. what could happen to the end of the market. And then he tried to get out of it by basically saying, Well, everyone, you know, it could happen to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> it can't happen to anyone. Yeah. It can only happen to some players. Very much so. Um credit to, to Ryo who rode their luck a little bit, but actually they created the best chance. Really good chance. They're, they're the yeah. two best chances of the game, I think. The one at the very end that gets ruled out for offside. Now, obviously, everyone's going to say, well, it doesn't matter because it was ruled out for offside. But I, I can't, for the life of me now, my mind's gone blank, remember who it was. But before it's put in offside, there's a dreadful miss between the penalty spot and the six-yard box before the ball yeah. goes goes to the, to the left-hand side. And and I thought Ryo looked really good. I thought it was a slight shift in their style because, of course, they know what they're up against against Barcelona. But there's one thing is for sure when you watch Ryo. Even in those games when they don't play brilliantly, they've got a coach there. They've got an idea. Mm. They've got a clarity about what it is they're trying to achieve, even if what they're trying to achieve isn't necessarily quite the same as it was the previous week. Uh, Credit to uh, Raya for that point. Barcelona uh, will try and build on it. Next week, tough away trip to Real Sociedad for uh, for Barcelona without Sergio Busquets, who was sent off for a late elbow on Falcao. Uh, let's move on and talk about the game that you were at on Friday night. You have done some miles this week, Sydney, from Madrid to Pamplona, Pamplona to Almeria, and now you're in Oviedo. Three games. I take my hat off to you, my friend. Um, Osasuna 2, Sevilla 1. This It was a good place to start the season, wasn't it? El Sadar, absolutely buzzing. Yeah, it really was. Um, I, I have a kind of an emotional attachment to, to the very first game of the season. It feels a bit special to be the very first one, but sometimes the game itself isn't great. And you mentioned briefly earlier that, that last year, the first game of the season was that Valencia one when Carlos Soler scored a penalty. And that was kind of a fun very feisty there was a red card very early on game you know the borderless derby wasn't it because it was him against his former team yeah. and, and, and but it wasn't as good a, an occasion as this and this was 
fantastically frantic in the, certainly in the first half it slowed down a bit uh, for the first 25 minutes or so of the, of the second half but but it was a really enjoyable game the two teams kind of really going for it I think we had three shots against the post a couple of goals both of them really really quite nicely made and, and, and pretty well taken and, and just sort of two teams it's fun to watch and, and El Salar is a great place to watch football as well and, and it really feels like it fits their style it fits their identity and, and it was, I was just really pleased actually to just to kind of now this is what you want football games to be like even if the game's rubbish you know the fans can be great <laughs> Uh, if you're not a patron, you wouldn't have heard our, our season preview. You wouldn't have heard us uh, suggesting that that fourth place is actually pretty open uh, this season. Yeah. Sevilla are the favourites uh, to be in the top four, but they're going to have other teams breathing down their neck. Uh, Betis, Real Sociedad, Villarreal, probably most likely. Um, feels like it could be a difficult season for Sevilla. Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. And I, and I think Lopetegui knows that. They weren't bad in this game, by the way. And, of course, the, the, the second goal came from a really, really, really bad penalty. Um, and, and, you know, if that doesn't happen, then it's 1-1 draw and maybe things feel differently. But there's, there is, I think, a sense all the way through um, the summer of Sevilla reaching a point that's difficult for them. Their two first-choice central defenders obviously have gone. Everybody knows that. But it feels different to previous years when that's felt like part of the plan. This has felt more like an obligation. Um, they have only replaced one of them with the signing of Marcao. They will, in theory, buy another central defender. They've got some good players, and Papo Gomez is a lovely footballer to watch and, and I think could have a really, really good season. Uh, but I do feel like Sevilla are far less, uh, far less clear a candidate for that fourth place than they've been in the previous three or four years. It does, as we said, really feel like that fourth spot is up for grabs and then you know the season will 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 develop as it develops and will probably be made to to look quite silly but at the start of the season those are our sensations uh, the team that was probably best poised to to overtake Sevilla a Villarreal uh, you did their game for the radio am i right yeah yeah so so, right, yeah. so you watched them beat beat Valladolid 3-0 and, and be pretty comfortable in that victory it was 0-0 uh, at half time but then two goals from Alex Bayena off the bench and, and Nicholas Jackson the young Ghanaian getting his first goal for the club as well um, this was pretty comfortable for Villarreal but it's the kind of game that last season they weren't necessarily winning yeah and, and I actually think for a little while I was starting to wonder if it might be the kind of game they wouldn't win here as well mm. um, so they were they were relatively comfortable they had more of the ball they created chances not a huge amount of chances but but you know sufficient chances and they, they reached a point kind of halfway through the first half and, and, and sort of into the second half when Vidalis seemed to be very open and Villarreal were cutting through them really quite easily particularly on the, on the two wings although it was kind of a narrow wing rather than right out on the touchline and, and you sort of thought, well, this is it. This is very, very easy now for, for, uh, for Villarreal. But Vidalith made three changes. And they made three changes. It was really quite decisive, actually. Three changes in the 55th minute made a huge difference. Suddenly they created three or four chances, which they just hadn't done until then. And you thought, actually, maybe, maybe Villarreal are going to pay for that thing that they do sometimes, of being a bit conservative when we're being 1-0 up. But it was at that point when you wondered... But they then got the second goal, and then and then from that moment on, it was it was done. And so that that kind of I don't know, maybe fifteen or twenty minute reaction from Vardalith wasn't enough. I wonder what would have happened had they scored one of the three or four chances that they created in a in a, in a really brief spell. Because at that point, actually, it felt to me like the game was slipping from Villarreal's hands. Ah, okay. Ah. Slightly different interpretation to, to, to me. I thought Villarreal were pretty comfortable. Did you, did you not think that after that change, there was like a 10-minute period where... There was, period where but I, I didn't Vidalith really believe... Were, were, I never thought that Violet had enough in them to, 
to, to, yeah. to get something from the game and, and for Villarreal to really, really struggle. But yeah, you're right. It, 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 did, it, did, it did affect the game, but I don't know. I, I always believed in Villarreal and um, yeah, they got, they got that win. Um, and they've got, they've got a really strong squad. Obviously, there's, there's, there's the risk of the players that they might lose and, and Unai Emery has admitted that, that Jeremy Pino is possible, possibly going to go and he's actually said that there are others that we, we may not be able to control whether or not they depart. They will be one of the clubs trying to negotiate a deal for Sadiq from, from Almeria. But, um, but, but I think they probably will be slightly debilitated from where they are now before the start of the season. Mm. Okay. Uh, it looks like Giovanni de Celso is coming back, so that's yes. that's good news for them. Uh, very good news indeed. Uh, quick word about Valencia under Gennaro Gattuso uh, beating Girona by a goal to nil. Uh, that goal from the penalty spot from uh, Carlos Soler. You're familiar with Gennaro Gattuso. I'm sure everyone knows who he is, who he was, the kind of player he was for uh, Milan. As a manager, his teams are a little bit different, and yes. the, they're. <laughs> with all due respect, they actually want to play football, and yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, you know, I, I, th- I think there's a risk, isn't there, of us being kind of dragged into the into the imagery of Gattuso and into Gattuso the player. Now there is an intensity about him, there is a directness about the way that he talks, but he is wanting his team to play. He said, by the way, that he wants another three, uh, or did he say three or four? Did he say two or three? I can't remember, but let's call it three. He mm. wants another three signings. I'm not sure if he'll get them. I don't think he's going to be like Bordelas, who'll be publicly complaining about it. Mm. Um, I, I don't think he's, he's going to do that. But I do think that, that he will want those changes. And I just wonder if three is, is, is about right. I, I think there's a, a, I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like there's a belief in Spain that Valencia just really don't have good players. And I look at that team and think, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. There are only a couple of players short of being a, a reasonably good team. Of course, last season, they finished ninth and got to the cup final. I mean, they're probably not yeah. going to improve on that much this season. But, but no, let's they, see. They could finish eighth or seventh, couldn't they? they, they yeah. would, it's not inconceivable that they get that final European place. Not uh, likely, but it's not inconceivable. Under Bordelas last season, they had the second lowest pass completion rate, the fourth lowest possession, third lowest shots per game, the most yellow cards and the most fouls. That's the style that they adopted then. And we think it might be a little bit different this season uh, under uh, Gennaro. Uh, Gattuso, as we said, there's three games uh, today. I'm going to one. I'm going to Getafe against Atletico Madrid. I'm, I'm very excited. I, I don't get to go to many games. So even if it is Getafe, Atletico Madrid, I'm, 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 I'm very excited. Well, I did have to pay a lot of money for the tickets. More, <laughs> more money than I expected but to this, pay to go and watch but Getafe. This is a Getafe team. This is a Getafe team that I think might, might be worth watching this year. It's true that Kike Sanchez Flores' kind of natural inclinations are relatively conservative. I wouldn't mm. say they're outright defensive, but they're relatively conservative. And certainly last year they were outright defensive, at least to start with, as he's kind of settled them into a pattern. But I think this year Getafe might might, might be worth watching, mm. you know. OK, um, before we go, a quick word on the Segunda División. A relegated Levante kicked off the new season with a 0-0 draw with Wesker on Friday. On Saturday, Eibar played Tenerife, two teams who made the playoffs last season, and 1-2-1. Alaves beat Leganes. 2-1 and there was a 2-0 win for Villarreal B on their segunda uh, re-debut at uh, Racing Santander while Granada won 2-0 at Ibiza and by the time you hear this so does that mean Phil that, that presumably means and I know it means nothing over after only one game that Villarreal are top of the first and second divisions or at least joint top of the first and second divisions oh Sydney what, a, what an interesting point yeah I think, I think you might be right they're certainly top of the of the Primera División and they're almost certainly top of the Segunda División as well so uh, yeah 
Wow, that is... Uh... Until Oviedo play tonight, of course, and overtake them. Um, yes. Granada <laughs> are, are top on alphabetical order, I think. As, uh, oh, well, there you go. They've both okay. scored two and conceded none. Um, but yeah, uh, by the time you hear this, you will, have, uh, know, you will know the result in Oviedo against Andorra, which is what Sydney is going to watch this afternoon. Uh, thanks for joining us, amigos. We're going to be here every single Monday uh, throughout the season. The Monday pod, TSFP, 10 years and still going. We're still here. Wow. We're still going to games. And we're still loving it. So hopefully you can join us for the ride this season. And if you want more, as we said, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Q&A pod is out tomorrow, so come and join us for that, patrons. If not, don't worry, it's okay. We'll be back here next Monday. Adios, amigos. Cheerio. Network.